Well, it's the story that never ends. Kansas City International Airport, a new terminal, and the latest developments. You're on Deep Background. Thanks for joining us. I'm Dave Helling with the Stars Editorial Board and joining us today for a discussion of the latest developments and what they may mean for KCI and really for the entire city council is Steve Bachrot with the Star. Steve, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having Let's me. make clear off the top that we're recording this on Tuesday. So there are moving parts that may be for people who may listen later in the week that we may not get to because we don't know how this is going to play out. But the state of play as we sit here today is surprising, right, Steve? Uh, um, and maybe not so surprising. Maybe we should have seen this coming. Tell us what you th- where we are now and, and what, what may have been happening over the last couple of weeks to lead us to this spot. Right. So where we are as we sit on a, on a Tuesday morning is Edgemore still has the contract, but they've taken some beatings in the last uh, – uh, 72. Well, more than that, since ever since last Thursday, really, when the Kansas City Council, a supermajority of the Kansas City Council, voted to reject an MOU that had been passed out of committee the week before. For those before. who don't know, memorandum of understanding, right, which, which is sort of the preliminary agreement. Yeah, it just it, it it sets out a framework. Uh, it's an agreement that sets out a framework of how the city, the airlines, the Edgemore, all interested parties are going to negotiate a final contract, you know, roughly about a year from now. We, we, we should be clear, though, while it is an intermediate step, it is the end of the procurement process, correct? And that's what I think people who don't want Edgemore to be a part of the terminal project are most worried about, that once the MOU is signed and agreed to, the procurement process has to be started over if there's something that happens down the line. Right. Well, in Edgemore, so Edgemore, just by virtue of signing the memorandum of understanding, um, that doesn't necessarily mean they get the deal. I mean, the deal is done when they get the final contract. Construction starts. Everything's locked and loaded. Um, you know, if the city rejects the MOU, they've got a few different options. I mean, the one they appear to be taking right now is they're going to continue negotiating with Edgemore. However, lurking in the background of all of this is a a uh, new unexpected alliance, I guess you could say, between AECOM and Burns and McDonald. They announced it yesterday that uh, they were going to team up on a. They were going to team up uh, to 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 be part of KCI Partnership, which was the runner-up bidder, if you will, on this procurement process. And they are the ones that would be waiting in the wings if the MOU uh, with Edgemore never comes to yeah. pass. Before we get to AECOM and Burns and Mac. What are the concerns about the MOU with Edgemore? I mean, how did we get to this this point? I mean, I, I, you get the sense most members of the public thought that this was clearly a done deal, that there were some T's to cross and I's to dot. But beyond that, the MOU was a bit of a formality. It did not turn out to be that way. Why? Um, well, I think council members were surprised uh, and disappointed by a few aspects of what's in the MOU. Let's start with um, the financial framework. As we know, ever since this whole thing came about last May, when Burns and McDonald said they wanted to privately finance the airport, you know, financing was the uh, was one of the big questions. Um, you know, the city decided they weren't going to do it through aviation bonds, which is the typical way that these things are done. And so I think there was some concern when the um, when the MOU emerged that 
wait, there's no there's no framework of a financing yeah. arrangement. It's very right. vague. I mean, it was just a few paragraphs and didn't really tell you anything. So I think that was a concern. There's been a drumbeat in the background of all of this about minority hiring and minority participation in this. And for those uh, listeners who aren't clear on what that means, for every municipal project, the city sets forth goals of various types about how much of the you know, what percentage of the value of the contract should be awarded to companies that are owned by uh, minorities and and or women. Right, and what commitment the developer will make to hire right. as subcontractors the MBE, Minority Business right. Enterprise, and the WBE. The feeling in some sectors of the minority community is that Edgemore's commitment is not very high. They have pledged a they pledged to include 20% minority participation and 15% women uh women-owned enterprise participation. Um, Kelvin Perry, for example, with the Black Chamber of Commerce, says that he would, uh, you know, he thinks it should be at least 30 just for minority participation with really a goal towards 40, though. You know, they should aspire to that, and that is a big number um, for, you know, especially for a billion-dollar job right. like and, this. And really unheard of on local projects. Yeah, I mean, 40% MBE is would be, I think the MBE on the Truman Sports Complex was like 20 25 or 30 somewhere in that neck of the woods yeah and i don't remember i don't remember that figure yeah, right. exactly but uh you know I, I'm, I'm sure that i that's, could be wrong i haven't looked at it recently yeah. but but uh, 40 i don't think it was 40 percent 40 percent in kansas city is high i mean you see some numbers like that in cities you know like dallas and places like that but in kansas city that's uh fairly high um and so they've, you know, these concerns have been raised, and we, we shouldn't. The, the financing is a concern, MBE, WBE, and then the breakup fee is also a uh, right. A concern. So there's there's this, uh, uh, and 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 some people listening to this would, you know, object to the term breakup fee, but I I think as a generality it works. There's a thirty million dollar fund that's set aside in the MOU that would pay Edgemore and its contractors, like its architects and lawyers right. and other people uh, up to 30 million dollars for out of co- out of pocket costs that they sustain um, in case the final contract never comes to pass right and there's some council members who feel like wait a second we thought this was a contractor at risk deal um, you know we, th- we we have concerns about how vague it is Heather Hall pointed out that there was a line item for fifteen thousand dollars a month for travel and she says I don't know how that's you know yeah. who's traveling? How are they traveling? Uh, you know that's not that's not spelled out, and so all those all those kinds of cur- concerns uh, came to a head last week, and then, uh, like I said, there was this emergence of a new alliance between a couple of firms that really didn't like each other during the procurement process, but now I think see a vulnerability uh, in Edgemore. You know, maybe a boxer on the ropes a little bit, um, and they're trying to get themselves set up uh, for. Uh, in case Edgemore gets tossed overboard. How, how, before again, before we move on to AECOM, how negotiable are the alleged shortfalls in the Edgemore MOU in your in your estimation? In other words, is, are are these concerns genuine and insurmountable, or is there just a sense that Edgemore, for whatever reason, wasn't doing what at least some council members wanted done, but didn't know that they needed to meet this standard? Yeah, there's some talk about how maybe Edgemore was not catching on or even being told of directly of some of the concerns that council members had, and I think that'll get hashed out later on this week. Uh, I think there's also some 
you know, it's 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 a difficult situation when you're negotiating something like this because you know the city's kind of handed over that job to a team of lawyers that it's ha- uh, hired for now. For now, yes, for now, and you know, b- behind the city, really, city staff, you have thirteen bosses on the city council, and everybody's got sort of these different things that they want, and communicating all of that, I think, is becoming a bit of a chore, uh, difficulty, if you will, and you know, it's a. Uh, <laughs> but the, but the other reality is that while the Edgemore MOU is the pretext for much of what we're talking about. The council members all have, most of them anyway, have different motives that may for, for trying to you know, push Edgemore out the door mm-hmm. for reasons that may or may not relate directly to the MOU. The MOU makes a good excuse, you know, well, I, I'm not happy. But there are people who, and I was told yesterday by a council member, that some some of the no votes on the Edgemore deal came from council members who still don't think expanding <laughs> KCI is a good idea. I mean, they fundamentally still oppose what the voters decided. So that's one motive. Someone who embarrassed the mayor, someone who embarrassed other potential mayoral candidates. Some are worried about Edgemore. So, so I'm trying to get at whether you have a sense as to how much of this is pretext and how much of this is actually soluble by members sitting down and, and, and cutting a deal with Edgemore. Yeah, that's uh, you, you're right to point out some of these unspoken motives, um, and I and I and I certainly don't doubt some or all of them. Um, you know, and it doesn't really make any difference because they got nine votes somehow, and it may be the two voted for this reason right. and two for well, well, nine votes means something. Yes. Uh, it means a lot in any circumstance. It means that a the if the mayor wanted to veto the action that they took, they it would be over. Uh, they could override it. Um, so I think if nine people are coming to a conclusion, that's signifies something powerful. Um, I will say that, you know, council members that we spoke to yesterday, being Monday, seem to say, you know, they kind of wanted to pump the brakes a little bit on some of this. I mean, you know, things developed quickly on Thursday and Friday, and now they're kind of starting to say, well, you know, we need to slow down a little bit, and we need to keep negotiating with Edgemore because we could have some trouble if we don't, you right, know, negotiate. Legal trouble. Yeah, you have to negotiate with somebody in good faith in these circumstances. And if Edgemore wanted to raise a case that you know they were not negotiated with in good faith, that could yeah. tie things up. For let, a while. let alone the blowback from the public. I, you know, you do get the sense that they, uh, you know, it, it wasn't like people were outside it with pitchforks, but you right. do get the sense that some people looked at this circumstance and thought to themselves, regardless of the facts, here we go again, right. same old city council, this, bait yeah. and switch, all that other stuff. Right. And, you know, you, you you could have a healthy debate about whether the public, when they went to the polls on November 7th, supported just the concept of a new single terminal, or if they, you know, really supported it with the idea in mind that Edgemore would be the developer. And at the very least, they'd seen the images that right, Edgemore right. Had, had published about what the airport would look like and said, you know, I really like that. That's something I want. And then are they are they doing something contrary to that if, uh, uh, you know, if, if, if now Burns and McDonald and AE comment are the first. Yeah, yeah. And, and let me just put on my editorial hat here for a minute because I did see some pushback from council members yesterday saying, in essence, Voters weren't really deciding on the Edgemore plan. They were just endorsing the concept. And I think that's probably true in sort of a strict legal sense. But there's a reason why the council went through a procurement process, a lengthy and messy procurement process, before the election. Mm 
because they knew the voters would want to know, at least in some way, who was doing it and how. Because it's very unusual to have a vote like that and, and, and not wait to do the procurement after the voter approval. They could have simply said, we're, we're not going to pick a developer until voters decide what they're going to decide, and then we'll go through this whole process. They didn't do that, and they yeah. didn't do it for a reason, because they knew voters would want to have something concrete. And I think actually the outcome shows they're right, that, that people were more... Uh, ready to accept the idea of a new airport because they thought the process itself had yielded something real and important out there. Yeah, well, you, you may disagree with that, but and, and others may, but I, well, I think they were kind of pushed into the procurement process because uh, you know, thanks mostly to your work, um, <laughs> because you know they were originally going to do this on a no bid basis, and um, I think. You know, people smelled. Right. Pe- people thought that didn't smell and good. So to and make so it, then they went into this procurement process. Correct. And they did it on an accelerated timeline. I mean, experts I spoke to said, you know, procurement for a project of this size, you know, you're talking 10 months, 12 right. months. And they did it in what, three, three or something? Right. And so that was a conscious decision. That was, you know, they could have right. easily said, okay, we're not going to go with the no bid deal, but we're not going to do any procurement until voters say yes. And they decided that would not fly with voters. And so it's not Edgemore so much. But it's the idea of Edgemore that we yeah. have gone through a process, we've picked a company, this is it. Okay, yeah. And I think that's what voters were endorsing in November. So AECOM is the option, or AECOM slash Burns and Mac or KCI partnership. Is yeah, they, they kind of went into this trade name, but uh, AECOM had led it, and, um, you know, they, they, had a, they had what was considered a qualified bid, but, you know, for, for, for a few different reasons, the uh, selection committee back in, I think it was September, uh, picked Edgemore. Um, now, under the procurement rules, you know, the procurement's still active, and so as a consequence, AECOM is still part of the, uh, you know, they, Process. Can, they can be negotiated with if, the, if Edgemore, um, if Edgemore can't, can't reach a deal. And so uh, I think they were mindful of that. They called a press conference on Monday and said, uh, hey, we're, ter- we're teaming up with Burns and McDonald. My suspicion is on some of that, I think, uh, you know, Burns and McDonald might help them get some votes, you know, being a local company, a prominent player in uh, local politics and the civic scene. Um, you know, teaming up with teaming up with Burns and McDonald could, uh, could get people, say, like Scott Taylor on board. Scott Taylor was uh, he's a he's a sixth district councilman who was upset that he he felt like Burns McDonald had been unfairly right. um, uh, disqualified in this process. Yeah, and so you know that that team could pose potentially a formidable uh, negotiating partner with the city if the Edgemore thing never comes to yeah. pass. But isn't isn't the addition of Burns and Mac to the KCI partnership team uh, an implicit uh, implicit admission that this choice is at least partly political and not based on the actual procurement. You know, I think the uh, whole idea of having a procurement process is to take politics out of it and to judge your decision making on the particulars of the bid. Ad- adding Burns and Mac at this point is clearly meant to influence the council in a political way. It doesn't change what AECOM wants to do. It just puts somebody else on the on the letterhead that they can now go to the council with. 
makes it easier to say to kind of uh, uh, bring up that refrain. And you heard it at the uh, press conference yesterday. They said, you know, we're a local team. We think the local company should be involved in this. And AECOM can make a claim that they're local because they have a, a, a presence yeah. here. But they're they're based in Los Angeles, and you know, bringing Burns and McDonald back in can really sort of burnish those local credentials. And that means, you know, that probably means something to some council members. Um, so yeah, politically, um, it has some meaning, you know, they would probably argue, uh, you know, Burns McDonald's a qualified aviation firm. They do work all over the country at airports and AECOM is clearly a, a giant in the industry. And so, um, they've, that's probably what they would argue, but you know, clear, polit- politics are clearly in play. Yeah, here. And, and 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 let's just you know be equally clear. They've always been in play in some ways. I mean, on the biggest project uh, in Kansas City history, one would be naive to think that wasn't going to play a role at some point, particularly with uh, with thirteen votes on the city council. And I want to explore two positions okay. uh, on the council. First is the Lee Barnes faction. He he's been for the KCI partnership from the beginning right? right and he does have some allies on the council who who want to dismiss edgemore because they just don't like edgemore right yeah so lee barnes's concerns were um and he sat in on a lot of the selection committee meetings i think lee barnes's concern was that you know he looked at edgemore's proposal and saw that there was a lack of specificity about a lot of things there was a lack of real specificity about the the financing. There was a lack of specificity um, about community benefits and things like that. And his feeling was, you know, once, you know, once Edgemore had been selected, they kind of cherry picked these different community benefits types things out of that existed in the other proposals. Right. Although Edgemore has said they're responding to, you know, concerns of the council when they put that together. Right. But, you know, so Lee Barnes has never been all that impressed with Edgemore and doesn't, uh, doesn't seem to have the feeling that they're very responsive to his concerns. And yeah, Lee Barnes does have some, you know, certainly has some influence with some council colleagues. Um, so yeah, he's always been critical. There, you know, there were some other council members, uh, you know, it was almost, it was a little surprising uh, that they took the vote that they did. But, you know, there's this sort of feeling like, you know, council members never made their concerns known. I don't know that I necessarily believe that. I mean, there, there's, there have been some rumblings about this stuff. Um, whether it was presented to Edgemore in the right way right. Um, is another question. But uh, you know, you're starting to hear council members say that they're, you know, they're, they've been meeting with Edgemore, kind of with this, with this renewed interest. Um, you know, they took they took a little bit of a lashing from the mayor last week, and um, and the public to some degree. Although yeah. some members of the public have, you know, clearly at the press conference yesterday, Monday. Labor unions were there and, uh, you know, minority groups and others. So there's some strong support for the alternative days. Right. Well, and you you point out something that's important to keep in mind in this is that, yeah, labor is unhappy. Uh, Like the Carpenters uh, are unhappy with Edgemore because they feel like their negotiations or discussions with Edgemore have not been fruitful. And labor organizations have some influence in local politics, uh, you know, when they call council people pick up the phone yeah um, but, but the other the other vote i want to explore is mayor sly james which is just mm-hmm. fascinating to me because you know he was the biggest champion of burns and mac all along from the beginning back in may and then switched uh once edgemore was selected and was aggressive in some ways during the campaign and in some ways seemed to leave burns and mac a little bit behind and then he was a key vote and remains a key vote at this point Supporting Edgemore, right? Which is just interesting to me. Right. Well, 
you know, I think, you know, the mayor, as we've seen, gets all you know gets irritated when easily he, when, <laughs> easily when uh, particularly when he's uh, surprised or when he's on the losing end of something and um he you know i think clearly got out politicked in this vote um hard to, to say his surprise it did you know, yeah based hard on to, good discussions i've had that, hard, that he, hard to say how much he knew it was coming i think he had an understanding that you know there maybe weren't quite as many votes uh thinking of rejecting the Edgemore MOU and then, you know, suggested that there were some boats that switched um, that he may not have known about. So, yeah, I mean, he, you know, mayors never like to get worked over. Um, and that's that's what happened. Right. But I, I mean, you don't see him, for example, when Burns and Mack joins the KCI partnership team, some people would think, oh, well, now they've got the mayor because mayor the mayor was such a, a supporter of Burns and Mack. But I don't get the sense that's, that he has changed his view on the Edgemore deal. No, he didn't jump on board uh, with this new, uh, uh, we called it a shotgun wedding between <laughs> AECOM and Burns and McDonald. He did not you know, just switch his allegiances because now Burns and McDonald's back in play. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. He's saying right. we, need to, we really need to keep negotiating with Edgemore. There's a question of fairness. There's a question of you know, what does this do to Kansas City's reputation if they feel like right. – you know, some company wants to do business here and, you know, uh, council people renege on uh, good Whatever faith negotiations. Right, yeah, right. exactly. I um, mean, we should be clear, the council voted 10 to 2 in September to, in essence, endorse the Edgemore deal. There were some outs. If we can't reach a deal, we'll do an MOU as, you know, outlined in the, I read the ordinance again yesterday. And, you know, it says, hey, if we can't reach a deal, we're going to renegotiate as outlined in the charter and right. other things. But by and large, everyone saw that as an endorsement of Edgemore, and yeah, and I mean, part of isn't part of the problem here, Steve, that not only was this a surprise Thursday, but the motives behind it were a surprise. I mean, nobody, there was no sort of foundation led, laid that sort of said, okay, we're having trouble on uh, MBE, we're having trouble on financing, we're having trouble on quote unquote the breakup part of it and so it just seemed to come out of the blue and people were saying no no wait a minute you you know if there's an impasse an impasse has got to take some time well you had to be paying pretty close attention and most people you know we're not right we're not i mean there was a sign the week before last when this issue was in committee when a couple of council people insisted that it go up for an up or down vote the following week uh, there were other council people who wanted to hold it and work iron out these concerns. You know, there, there's there's probably about a dozen different tales you could hear about why it eventually came to that up and down vote. Um, I suspect it's you know if, if there are council members who have concerns, maybe they wanted to force the issue a little bit. And yeah. when you when you bring it up for an up and down vote and you say no, it gets in the front page of the paper and suddenly everyone's talking about it. Everyone's aware of what the issues right, are. Right. Right. You, you, we don't know as we sit here today how this is all going to end up. No. And, and I've written some things that suggest uh, that the reputation of the council will take a hit uh, if if this sort of chaotic, that may be aggressive, but certainly messy situation continues. But you, I think you can also talk to council members who say, in essence, they don't care. You know, as long as the outcome is great and they start building out there, everyone will forget about this as they forgot about procurement and go forward. Do you think that's right, or does this have a lasting impact on the public image of the council's decision-making process? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's hard to say. I mean, um, 
one suspects by the way they've kind of reacted this week that maybe they understand what you're describing uh, and some of the ramifications of you know dispensing with Edgemore uh, in, in in somewhat short order and then going with this this team uh, AECOM and Burns McDonald who didn't you know and I, I as an aside I'll say that those two companies didn't do themselves an extraordinary amount of favors during this procurement process. In the summer. Correct. Yeah, we remember, you know, you'll remember that AECOM, they had an executive who uh, he was bellyaching about um, some elements of the process that he thought was unfair to AECOM and, you know, it didn't, they didn't come off looking great from that. And then Burns and McDonald, they kind of had these TV ads and this public campaign that some people regarded as being kind of unseemly for right. a municipal procurement process. Right, and they were disqualified, and they were, rightly yeah. or wrongly, because of the incompleteness of their submission and yeah, they're, financing they're, primarily. They're, it was, yeah, it was a flaw in their financing plan, uh, which they dispute. Um, but nevertheless, that's you yeah, know, what the deal has done. Um, but don't you get the sense that he, he, here's what I think is so important to, for, for the community to understand. In some ways, Edgemore may have well been a compromise choice during the procurement process. They were, the, in essence, the third option. You had Burns and Mack on one side, AECOM on the other, fighting each other. And at some point, and I think even city manager Troy Schulte sort of handed it that the day it was announced that I w- yeah. was much more comfortable with Edgemore. And so the idea of now pushing out that compromise choice and replacing them with the combatants from the summer really feeds into an idea that this was always out there as an alternative and, and that the process has not been as clean as it needs to right. be. That's the, my view. I mean, yeah, I, there, and that's a, that's a totally reasonable view. And there's you know, you're not the only one with that view out right. there. Uh, talk to some people who feel like, you know, has this thing really been set up for Burns and McDonald all along? And, um, you know, I mean, that's a... <clears throat> it's hard to invo- uh, avoid conspiracy theories in this circumstance in which the original sin was a no-bid secret contract. Right. And that's, you know, and that's always the, 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 the stench that will always be part of Burns and McDonald's involvement in this is the fact that, you know, that, that, very, that very reality that they emerged as the preferred, the preferred partner before... You know, lawyers talked uh, Sly James and others off the ledge and said, "You got to really put this out for competition." Yeah. Um, so yeah, if they get involved in it somehow, you're always going to have people who think, you know, that's a th- that company has way too much influence right. up at City right. Hall. The fix and, was in yeah. all along, and that they snuck it in. Well, uh, l- let's wrap this up. I again, we don't know how this is all going to turn out, but let me ask you this final question: Do you think? we're doomed to to endure this kind of pushing and shoving for the length of the construction uh, project out at KCI. I mean, is there ever a chance that we'll turn the corner and they'll start actually building something? And Or will there be work stoppages, MBE complaints, right. uh, you know, efforts at the council to change subcontractors? Bar- I mean, is this going to be just a, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat until they cut the ribbon out there or not? You know, airport contracts, airport construction projects just by themselves tend to be pretty, I mean, they're huge, they're huge projects, you know, billions of dollars. Um, you know, and any time, the, you know, the risk of cost overruns or delays is always high. I mean, you, you know, you'll remember what happened in Denver. I think they went, what, two years right. over 
uh, over the time frame. Unforeseen and, environmental problems. Yeah. I mean, they just go the, down the, the budget list. doubled up and, yes. you know, they had a baggage system that they thought was state yes. of the art and it was, turned out to be, <laughs> didn't uh, do well, turned out to be millions of dollars <laughs> of junk. Um, so, you know, that's always a possibility and there's always going to be second guessing regardless of who gets the contract. If Edgemore gets the deal and there's problems during construction, people are going to say, you know, why do we pick this company that no one yeah. around here really of knew right, of? Right. And then, you know, if Burns and McDonald gets involved and AECOM and things go awry, then you're going to be like, well, we should have just stayed on the Edgemore horse. Right, so right, right. There's right. always going to be a little bit of that intrigue with this project. Well, and the other thing that uh, we should keep in mind is I don't think this problem will significantly delay the project because I think it will be figured out fairly quickly and needs to be. But, you know, the Fed is raising interest rates now. The financing will be such a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. The airlines have some significant role in whatever happens out there because they're paying so much of the cost. So quite apart from the politics of this blow up, there is there are real world impacts from the uh, uncertainty surrounding KCI. You think that's right? Right. Well, and uncertainty surrounding the, and, and you touch upon this, with surrounding the broader economy. I mean, you know, there's any number of scenarios that we yes. can imagine that could affect the worldwide economy next year, and that affects the uh, that could affect the interest rate on uh, pr- uh, a private financing or a conduit financing. Right. And you know, we've already seen you know we've already seen about how the tax bill almost had some uh, real world consequences on this project with right. private activity bonds. Um, Which we, we just for listeners that was Dodge. The bill maintains PABs. Right. Right. So, you know, there's any number that you, tip, you know, the, the rule of thumb in uh, uh, high finance is if you can close a deal now, close it. Yeah, um, yeah. And, you know, any time you leave on the shelf is just adds to the uncertainty. Right. Uh, well, but, but I mean, the other part of it is if unemployment remains low, then labor costs might go up a little bit. Material costs might go up if inflation becomes a bigger concern and yeah. the economy gets a little overheated, then suddenly you're paying more for brick and mortar and all the other stuff. Yeah. And contractors start to feel like they can be a little more aggressive in their bids because right. there are there is a demand for their so and we're already seeing that. I mean, there's been some apartment projects where the costs have changed uh, Correct. here in the crossroads uh, for those very, I mean, just those two reasons, construction and labor costs. Right, right. And so my point is there are political costs, good and ill, with this this mess, but there are practical potential costs if there's a significant delay or if right. this thing is, in essence, hand-to-hand combat for the next four years. Right. Yeah, and you're you're right. But let's also be fair to the council members who are dissenting. If we take what they say at face value, that they're pushing for a better deal, then you know they're doing the public's work. And yes. you know, I think I think too often, you know, dissenting voices on city councils tend to get criticized as being obstructionist, and sometimes they are. Right. But you know, I think there's a few. You know, I, I know there's some members of the council who have explained to me in very detailed and very reasonable levels of concern about what's going on. Right, and let's just be very clear, Edgemore has responsibilities here too, and we should not at any level let them off the hook or get off the hook in terms of its own good faith effort to reach an agreement. I mean, it would be a folly if they were to mistake the reaction to the story last Thursday as a wholehearted endorsement of that company doing whatever it wants to do on these important issues. 
because there may be well a just you know there they may reach a justifiable understandable impasse mm-hmm. the company has to come a little bit too right right, right. Or, or or otherwise you know aecom is there and that's how that works the advantage that aecom and burns and mcdonald have is they both have they both work with people who are pretty sophisticated about the political wins up at City Hall, right. and they will see they they have the ability to seize on opportunities like this. I'm not sure that Edgemore has quite that level, uh, or or they have people around them and advising them uh, who are m- maybe quite up to that right. level. Right. I put it another way. I talked to a councilman yesterday, council member yesterday, who said uh, Edgemore may have thought that they needed to just follow the procurement process as. You, you would see it in a movie, you know, right. that it was this happens, then this happens, and was completely caught unaware by the political crosswinds that may have been inevitable in this project. I think that's fair. Yeah, all right. Steve Bachrot with the Kansas City Star. Thanks so much for joining us. And we'll obviously be talking about this in the new, in the new year. Maybe they'll actually get something on paper and start turning some earth out there by the time we meet next year yep. at this time. So, Steve, thanks again. Thank you. I'm Dave Helling with the Star's Editorial Board. We thank you for joining us as always. You have been on Deep Background. 